Um, we don't have a bumper video, so we're going to go uh, right into uh, the talk this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open to Psalm 23. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, pull out your device and your Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, go to the App Store and download the Bible app. It's an amazing tool. I'd encourage all of you to have it. Um, if you're new here and you thought, you're thinking, you know, I didn't know I had to come with school supplies, it's okay. We have all the supplies for you. Uh, we have a Bible in the back, or you can just pull out your device and download the Bible app. Uh, we're going to read through a, a very famous psalm this morning, um, one that I'm sure that many of you have heard many times, um, but it's one that has meant a lot to me, especially recently, and we're going to uh, walk through that, but um, Bible tools, a Bible app, rather, is a great tool to have. It gives you daily readings. You can keep up with us. Um, so we're going to jump into that in just a moment. Uh, today's going to feel a little bit like a family meeting. Did you guys ever have, like, family meetings growing up? Um, they weren't always good. Was, you know, my dad called a family meeting. It was like run for cover because you didn't know what was coming. Uh, but family meetings don't always have to be bad things. I think they can be good things too. Uh, I think, you, you know, change it up a little bit. Make it a little fun. I've been toying with the idea of calling uh, spontaneous family meetings in my house just for no other reason than to keep my kids on their toes because, you know, <laughs> it'd be really fun. <clears throat> uh, so today's a little bit like a family meeting. Um, I'm going to uh, just walk you through some of the things that uh, my wife and I have been through recently. Um, sorry, I'm going to do this. I'm a little off this morning, so just give me a minute. And there we go. All right. So, um, as some of you know, um, a few months ago uh, at this point, my wife and I took a break, and I'm going to kind of fill you in on some of the stuff that happened there. Um, I'm really grateful to be here. I'm grateful to have uh, gone through what we've gone through and to be on this side of it. Uh, it's amazing. Um, hindsight's awesome, right? To look back and see what God's doing and what God has done, it feels absolutely amazing. Uh, as some of you guys know, this year hasn't been an especially great year for us. Um, coming in, into this year, I know we all hope to be putting the pandemic behind us and we are going to be coming out of it and have like this breath of fresh air and um, you know, things changed. We started this year off with some of, of the most devastating news um, that has ever happened to, to my family. Um, we found out that a lump on my wife's arm was cancer and that she'd have to go through loads of radiation and then surgery, and that, that's, that was hard. I mean, we've, this week we've been married 15 years. Uh, I feel like that's such an accomplishment for me that anybody would want to be with me for 15 years. Um, but we did it. We made, made it 15 years, and as most marriages that kind of make it that long or even longer, you go through some really incredible times, some really challenging times, and we've been through some really challenging times. This has, has been markedly different for us. Uh, we, I don't think we're prepared for, for what was coming, and um, we're on the other side of that now. Uh, you guys know most of that story, so we've, we've gone through the radiation, we've gone through the surgery, and um, we just got her uh, first set of scans after her surgery, and Glory to God, she's cancer-free. Um, <laughs> you can clap. Um, it's been a journey. It's been a uh, difficult road. But we're on the other side of that. Um, that's what you do know. Here's some of what you don't know. About three years ago, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And when he was, was diagnosed with cancer, I had a thought kind of entered my mind about three years ago, and... It's kind of lingered with me since. Um, as soon as it happened, he, he's uh, older. He's older than me, clearly. He's my dad. <laughs> and my kids think I'm old, so, Dad, I'm not going to call you old, but you would, you would think he's old. And uh, it was worrying for my family. And I thought to myself, 
God, what am I supposed to do? Should I, should I leave? Should I go and, and take care of my mom and help my dad and support my family? And um, glory to God, he, he beat cancer. He's, he's a, a tough Irish guy. Good luck keeping him down. Um, but that thought, it just kind of lingered, and, and it stuck with me. And if you've ever gone through, through moments like this in your life, they have this incredible way of just kind of creeping around and never going away. Um, Fast forward to about uh, six months ago, about six months ago, um, the thought continued to linger with me. And, and uh, knowing what my wife and I were embarking on in our journey, it, it continued to linger, and I continued to talk it through with my wife, who was absolutely amazing, such an incredible support. In, in that moment, I felt like I needed to be a support for her, but to be completely honest, she was a support for me and continued to talk and encourage me and believed in me perhaps more than I believed in myself. And we started talking through what I, I felt like God was leaving this lingering thought in my life. About uh, two months ago, we made it through her surgery, and that was just, you know, the, the climax of, of stress and anxiety. Uh, we included the elders in on the decision, uh, or on the, the, the question, the, the lingering thought. What, what do we do? And uh, we talked to our leadership team, and we had some really honest, some really frank, some really challenging conversations. Um, it, it, it was incredible. Um, to actually walk through that process. As you know, we took uh, some time off um, because we felt like we needed a break. And uh, I'm not, I'll save you all the gory details, but I literally felt like my body was going to break. Uh, there's a song from a, a band called Judah and the Lion that's called uh, Help Me Feel Again. And in the song, um, they quote this line that just kind of wraps up how my body was feeling. It says, when my emotions go to war, maybe I should be listening. Because if our body keeps the score, it feels like it's screaming. And at that point, that's literally what it felt like. The first two weeks of our sabbatical, my body just started to fall apart. Not literally. I mean, that would be kind of weird and cool at the same time. But uh, it just started to fall apart. I had the worst ear infection I've ever had. I had two surgeries. This is in the course of like two weeks. Uh, two surgeries. I spent the night in urgent care. It was like, like you've avoided what you've been feeling. You've avoided that nagging, that lingering thing in you for so long. It, your body can't handle the stress anymore. So for two weeks, I just kind of shut down. Um, over the course of, this, of, of those uh, four or five weeks off, we had numerous conversations with friends and ministry pastors. We spent some time with family. We did something I've never done before. We spent two days with a, a counselor. And uh, if you've never done that, let me say that you should, if you feel like you're at a point where you're not sure what you're doing and you're struggling through feelings and, and, and emotions and baggage that you're, you're bringing with you, it was one of the, the best decisions we've ever made. Um, it was so incredibly helpful. And through uh, the course of all of those conversations, through walking it through with our elders and our leadership team, uh, we've come to a decision that it is time for us to transition out of journey um, into whatever God has for us next. And I can't, I can't tell you the weight of making that decision. Um, even now saying it, it, it is so hard for me to wrap my brain and my heart around <clears throat> because of how much we love this church and the people here. Um, I've been in ministry for a long time. I'm going on about 22 years of ministry, about 10 years of pastoring, five here and five at the church before this. And <clears throat> this, the, what we're doing now started as a dream, as a little seed that took place, took root in our hearts years ago uh, that God has fostered into a church with some of the most amazing people um, I've had the opportunity of serving and living with and talking with and uh, marrying some of you and uh, watching your kids grow up. Uh, it has been 
an amazing journey. And I love each of you so deeply. And that, that is what makes this so hard and so confusing. Um, the odd part of this is what's next? And the, the truth is we don't know. We have some ideas for sure where we're going to uh, see where God's leading us. But it, it, in this regard, it feels almost foolish. Every time I've kind of expressed this story to people, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing? I don't know. I mean, this goes against the, the, the advice that every dad gives their children, right? When you're a dad, I remember receiving the advice from my dad. Now, Jim, you don't leave a job until you have a job. Yeah, I got it. That's exactly what I'm doing. All I know is where God's leading. And, and I use that word, that phrase very carefully because I, I think some people can misuse that. And I want to talk a little about that this morning, about how we know God's leading and, and, and know how to follow God in, in times of, uh, of this kind of chaos and, and overwhelming feeling. What I do know is that before uh, the, the, the time away, life felt like chaos. Coming out of the pandemic and, and facing the, the, the threat of uh, cancer and surgery and what life might look like, even post-op what it might look like, and then taking a moment to just let things settle, to allow our, our spirits and our souls to feel again, and, and then from there to be able to make a clear decision. Um, and that's where we are that God is taking us on a journey. We're not exactly sure where it's going to lead us. But uh, about 24 years ago in Bible college, I had, I had um, left my home church. And I really didn't have a place to go. I was interning at churches and kind of thinking about my future. And I remember sitting in a chapel service one day and saying this to God, God, I'll follow you anywhere. I really don't care. I'm not in this for me. I've never been in it to make a, a, a church for Jim or, or to see my name in lights. I, I, I don't care. I'm doing this because you asked me to. So you lead me, and I'll go wherever you want me to go. Um, I prayed that it wouldn't go after he got me to Bangor. No further north, please. <laughs> it's cold enough. <laughs> um, but that's where we're at. We're back at the phase of our life saying, okay, God, you lead and we'll follow. Um, and it's been hard. Um, at the same time, it's incredibly hopeful. It's incredibly optimistic because I know whenever God leads, he leads us to the next place he wants us. And he never takes us to a place that's, that's bad or, or dangerous. There may be challenges, but the challenges make us better. E even now, I can look through what we've been through, and I, I would never say that cancer was caused by God. But I can already begin to see God doing things through our last experience that have completely shifted and changed the way we relate to God and connect with God and walk out our, our faith. I know God has something good in store, not just for us, but for you as well. And my hope is, as, as you hear this, I'm sure it's coming as a shock to some of you, that you don't resist and begin to pull away. Because I believe that God has something incredible to do here. Not just because it's Journey Church and it's flattering, I'm supposed to say that, but I love the church. In particular, I love this church. I think it's the greatest church. I think you guys are the greatest people. And if you're new here and you're kind of wondering, is this the church I should be in? Yes, it is. Not for me, but because you're surrounded by some of the best people you'll ever get to know and experience and do life with. And I believe the best is still in store for you. I think God has somebody designed, somebody picked who's going to come and lead this to a place that I wasn't meant to lead it, maybe couldn't have led it. And my hope for you is that you stick in, that this isn't a time to pull away, but it's a time to double down and stick in and engage with what God wants to do in this community through Journey. Because this community, our nation, our world, they're experiencing complex issues like they've never experienced before. And we have the hope. We are to be the beacon of light for this community and for our nation. And I believe we can be. A few weeks, a few nights ago, rather, uh, I was, we were telling our daughters because we felt like it was time to have a conversation. After all, I'm, I'm telling you, 
There's no way it's going to be quiet after this. So we're telling our daughters, and my oldest, <clears throat> she's the optimist. So she kind of reacts with all the positivity of, oh, well, what's next? This is exciting. What's around the corner? But my, my middle daughter, Sophia, she, she has the biggest heart in the world, and she feels like all the feelings. And as soon as I said it, her whole demeanor kind of changed, and she just kind of sunk down, and she, she expressed this maybe for the first time in her life. I'm just really overwhelmed. And she started to cry, so she went up to bed, and I went up to tuck her in a few minutes later, and I'm sitting on the side of her bed, and I lean over, and I said, Soph, that's what we call her, Soph. Soph, did I do that to you? Did I overwhelm you? Because if I did, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> and with tears in her eyes, she turned over and she looked at me and she said, Dad, I just have one question. <clears throat> Are you still going to be the pastor of Journey Church? <laughs> and now with tears in my eyes, I looked back and I said, no. And that's what makes this so hard. <clears throat> because I love what I do. And I love my job. And it's not like I'm running away from anything. I'm leaving something that has so much incredible meaning for us but I'm leaving because I know God's calling us somewhere else. <clears throat> so I said, no, I, I'm not. It's time for me to step away and for somebody else to lead. And she said, but dad, you love your job. And I said, I know. But somebody else is supposed to do it now. And it's time for us to move on. It's time for us to trust God. What are you going to do? I know, I don't know. And that sounds weird. Jim, you should have your act together. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I don't know. But there's something God's been teaching me through this that I, I want to share with you this morning. And, and it all has to do with this idea of trust. Are we willing to trust in moments where life seems like it is just completely overwhelming? If there were a title to today's message, we, I just called it Psalm 23, but it would be how to, keep, how to keep your soul. How do you keep your soul when there's moments of, of insanity and moments of chaos and moments of, of utter confusion? How, how do you keep your soul when... Sane, if you will, if you can even use that word. I know we kind of relate sane to like the idea of thoughts, but I think it, it relates to your soul because in moments like this when you're not sure what to do and, and you feel like you're supposed to do something that's completely, it just doesn't make sense. It, it, how do you keep yourself sane? Because oftentimes our, our, our thoughts get tangled up with our emotions, that get tangled up with our soul, and, and it's all just one mess. But I, I, think, I, I think that there's a way to do it. And my guess is that although I'm the one up here sharing my story, that you would have a similar story. Maybe you find yourself in a moment that feels like, like chaos, that feels like, like, I think God's leading me, but I'm not sure, and it doesn't make sense, and there's a lot of confusion around it. In moments like that, how do we keep our souls secure? That's what I want to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can open to Psalm 23. We're going to read through Psalm 23 and do just a little, a little Bible story. It's uh, a Bible study, rather. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous uh, passages in all of Scripture. I'm sure you've heard it before. It was probably read at a wedding or a funeral or maybe even been stitched and, and hung in you know, your grandma's house or you know, they used to stitch pillows and sit on the couch, something along those lines. But this is one of the most famous psalms. Uh, it's a psalm from King David, and, and the psalm simply says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <clears throat> you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house 
of the Lord forever. The opening line to this psalm has just been rattling around in my head for the past few months. As I continue to think through God, what are we doing? And, and, and how do we move forward in moments of this kind of confusion? The Lord is my shepherd, David says. The Lord is my shepherd. It's interesting here they didn't say the Lord is a shepherd, but he is, it's not even just the shepherd, but, but it's personal. The Lord is my shepherd. And David's trying to make a connection between how we can relate to our, our heavenly father. But for us, it kind of gets lost in confusion because I, I, um, I don't know about you, but I've never been a shepherd. Anybody here ever been a shepherd? Know what a shepherd does? No, so sometimes it's a little hard for us to, to, to connect to the two, but, but David's saying, no, this is how I want you to connect. I was a shepherd, and I know what a shepherd did, and I, I know what a shepherd does, and, and that's what, what our father does. Well, then what does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for the flock. That's his whole job. He leads and he guides his flock to where they need to be so that they can live and they can thrive and they can grow and they can be safe. He protects and he guides and he cares for his flock. And David said, that's, that's God. He is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. And he's your shepherd. And then he says that this other line that I've really struggled with. He says, it's kind of like a cause and effect that because he's my shepherd, I lack nothing. And, and I, I read that line over and over again as we walk through this. You know, we, we recite the psalm sometimes, and I, I think, but God, I, when I look at my life, I don't lack nothing. I, I lack a lot, right? I, I, like, I lack tons. Like, there's a lot that I lack when I look at my life. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you look back at your life and like, God, I, I'm lacking a lot. Like, like the, uh, you might say things like, well, God, I wish I, had, I wish I had a wife. I don't have a wife. I want a spouse. I, I, I want to get married, and, and I, I'm lacking that. I, I wish I had a job, or maybe I wish I had a different job, or I, I wish I had loads of money. And we look back and we say, but God, I, I, there are things that I lack. And, and what's really hard is when you begin to look internally and you realize there's also that you lack internally as well. And Dave said, no, you, see, you don't understand. Because he's your shepherd, you actually lack nothing. That everything you need is already there. Everything you need is already being given to you. There may be things that, that we want, but because he's your shepherd, he's going to make sure you don't need anything, that you lack nothing. Now, this doesn't mean that you can go to God and say, God, you know, I really hope I get the new Corvette. Have you seen the, 22, the 2022 Corvettes? Like, God, I could really, I lack that Corvette. That doesn't mean he's going to give it to you. But if he does, can I take it for a test drive? Those things look awesome. <laughs> What it does mean is that everything you need to live and to survive and to thrive, he's going to make sure you have it. And if you would look at your life and you say, God, but, but I am lacking this, then my invitation to you is to invite the shepherd into your life and to invite him into that and, and say, God, I, I, you are my shepherd. Help me not to lack. As a matter of fact, the invitation for you this morning is that if God isn't your shepherd, if you've never made him your shepherd, or maybe you did years and years ago, but you kind of stepped away from that. You stepped out of the flock, so to speak, to use David's uh, analogy. Then maybe this morning, you invite him to be your shepherd again. Because when God is your shepherd, he, David says, we lack nothing. And then he moves to this kind of, kind of action tense of what the shepherd makes us do. He uses four uh, kind of verbs here. First one he says is this. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. 
I find that really interesting. He says he makes me, not that he brings me to places to lie down, but he actually forces me to lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but I enjoy a nap, especially Sunday afternoons. Like there is nothing better than going home, getting something to eat, putting on the football game and, you know, <clears throat> an hour, maybe 10 minutes if you mean, and you're out and you're napping and that's restful and that's enjoyable. We need moments like that. I don't know, like maybe you're not a restful person and you think, when you think of rest, you think of like, you know, Julie Andrews dancing through the hills and sound of music somewhere in Austria with green pastures. But maybe sometimes I read this, and maybe you, you can relate to this, you're a little like me. I read this, and, and I don't really like that he makes me lie down in green pastures. That really doesn't, it's not attractional to me, because to be completely honest, there are moments in my life where I don't want to lay down, and I don't want to rest. In moments of stress and anxiety, in moments of worry or fear, I, I want to I keep doing and my hope is that if I keep doing and doing and doing and I keep fighting and fighting and fighting, then perhaps if it's in my control, I, I can guarantee the outcome. And I don't, I don't want to let go. I, I don't want to release, God. I want to keep going. And David said, no, in, in those moments, he makes you lie down in green pastures and rest. It's like we sang about this morning. When I fight, I, I just, God, it's yours. I can keep trying to fight and I can keep trying to work it, but, but i got to get to a place where I realize, God, you could do more in this than I can. And I'm just toiling and I'm burning myself out and I'm exhausted and I'm spent, but God, you can. And Dave said, that's what he does. He takes us and he makes me lie down in green pastures. He takes me to a place where rest will come upon me because that's what he does. And then he leads me beside the quiet waters. And, and, and this is basically everything that you would have lacked. This is the, the things you need that you don't really know you need. You know, you kind of look at your life, oh, I needed that, but, but I, you didn't realize I need that until right now. This is like th those things. God takes you to the place where the things you need are there that you don't even know you really need. And those moments, they're, they're for restoration. They're for replenishing. They're for, for building you up, for, for filling you up. He leads me beside the quiet waters. And then he refreshes my soul. You know you're a soul? Did you know that you're actually a soul? That, 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 there's, that there's something in you that people can feel? People can feel your soul. Boston says, you know, you're more than a feeling. The truth is, you are more than a feeling, but, but you're also a feeling. And people can feel you. They can feel when your soul's out of whack. They can feel when things aren't lined up. They can feel when, when, when things aren't settled right inside of you, when, when there's this, this turmoil. And you may try to hide it. You may try to you know, put, put a smile on and pretend like some of us do. But they feel it because you're a soul. And sometimes we need to care for our soul. We don't spend a lot of time doing it. You know, we'll care for our body and we'll go to the gym. And we'll, we'll, we'll care for, for our mind and maybe read a book. But how often do we care for our soul? David said, that's what the shepherd does. That's what the good shepherd does. He leads you to the green pastures, and he makes you lie down, and he makes you rest. And then he takes you to the water so that your, your soul can be filled again, so that you can be refreshed. David said, he, he even fills me up. He said this in another song, my cup overflows. I've have, <coughs> excuse me, I have more than enough. I have more than everything I need because I'm following the good shepherd. And then the last line he uses, he guides me along the right paths. He guides me along the right paths. And 
<clears throat> this one is a little challenging. How many of us here need to be guided? I mean, all of us, right? We all need guidance. We all need leadership. We all need to be led. David said that's what our shepherd does. He leads us and he guides us. And he takes us to the places that, that we, he knows we need to be. It's kind of like, you know, like a GPS system. You, you put your GPS in and, <clears throat> or the street address in and the GPS, like take a right and take a left and take a right. And then you end up where you're supposed to be. Sometimes that's how we think of God's will. I, I know before, but, uh, before this little break and kind of experiencing and, and walking through this, I used to see God's will as like this rigid road that you were on, and, and, and God gave you a little bit of a, a allowance in there, but there wasn't much. And you went, if you went off the road, you were kind of out of God's will, and God would have to kind of bring you back in. But you can go really off God's will and get far out into no man's land where you're like too far gone and you can't get back. But the more I've read and the more I've studied this, the more I, I see it kind of differently. He, he, he gently guides his sheep. He, he allows us to choose, and he gives you the will to choose. I want you to choose. What do you want to do? And let me guide you there. He definitely said there are things that I don't want you to do, things that would hurt you or things that would, would hurt other people. And I might shut a door so you don't go that way because it'll hurt you or the people that you care about. But he wants us to feel the weight of choosing, the weight, the responsibility of making a decision. He said, you choose. And I'll go with you and I'll, I'll guide you. And I'll lead you as a good shepherd does. He leads us along the right paths, for his name's sake. He leads us to the places where we will thrive and where we will grow and, and where, where we ultimately want to be so that he can receive all glory, not us, for his name's sake. So the people around us, so, so us and our family would all say, but look at what the good shepherd has done. Look at where the good shepherd has led us. He leads us down the right paths for his name's sake. And then perhaps the most famous line, in, in all of uh, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley. I don't, you, you read this, and if you grew up like I did, you may have thought, I thought Coolio wrote that. <laughs> Gangster's Paradise, you guys know what I'm talking about. I, I had to, <clears throat> maybe a bad parenting move, but I had to introduce my kids. They asked me last night, what are you preaching on? I was like, oh, you should hear this. <clears throat> he said it a, a little different, right? right? He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. And that's the close you're ever going to get me to singing in church. <clears throat> I'll rap, but I won't sing. He used the King James Version. And, and you might be thinking, did, did, no, Coolio got it from David. David wrote it. But what's, what's interesting here is, is the, the, the way he, he even phrases this, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Do you know what, what the valley is? Do you know where a valley is? A valley is between kind of two mountains, right? Two mountains. And if you were to ask somebody, well, where do you want to be? Do you want to be in the valley or do you want to be on the mountains? Everyone wants to be on the mountains, right? No one wants to be down in the valley. You want to be in the mountains where you're, you're high above, and you're kind of on top of the world, and you've got a great view, and you're breathing the cool, crisp air. It, it kind of reminds me of, of <clears throat> the Olympics a little bit. If you've watched the Olympics, <clears throat> at the end when they do their, the, the medal ceremony, you know, they're kind of stepping on a podium that's kind of shaped like a mountain. You know, there's two people who are really happy to be on the podium and one who's not. You know who they are? <clears throat> the, the bronze medals is just thrilled. I can't believe I made it. I could have been in fourth or fifth, but look, I'm here. People are actually going to know I made it. People are going to know my name. And he's just so excited. <clears throat> the gold medals, he's walking on air. Look at what I've done. Right? Life, living high, living large. Like, got to give glory to God. It's all because of God that I'm here. Look, look at this. I'm on top. You know who's not happy? The silver medalist. I was so close. 
I was like half a sec. I, I can't believe it. Just, just a little quicker and I would have been there and now I'm here. Because no one wants to be down. Everybody wants to be up. They want to be up on the mountains because that's, that's where God is and that's where you know the worship songs are amazing and it's where you feel God and you feel like you're on top of the world. No one wants to be in the valley because in the valley you feel alone. In the valley it feels hard. In the valley it feels forgotten about. Maybe worse, the valley might feel to you like God's actually forgotten about you. And sometimes we find ourselves in a valley. And it's not the place we ultimately want to be, but here's what's interesting. David said it's a place that almost all of us go. And that I walk through the valley. See, I don't know about you, but my tendency is to when I get to those, those valleys, I just want to like lay down and die. Right? I want to lay down in the valleys and I want to walk through the green pastures. Like, God, oh, this is nice and it's beautiful and it's green and it's everything I wanted, but I'm going to keep going to see what's next. And then I get to the valley of what's next and I just want to lay down and die. And they said, no, 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 you got that all flipped around. Here's what I really want you to do. When you get to the, va- to the pastures, I want you to lay down. And I want you to enjoy. I want you to soak it in. I want you to rest. I want you to refill. I want you to replenish. Because eventually you're going to hit a valley. And when you get to the valley, I want you to walk right through. God, that's hard. How am I supposed to do that? This is what David says next. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's, it's like, do you remember the, the, the part in Jesus' life where he walked on water? That's one of the, the, the best, to me, one of the best stories about Jesus. All of these people are, are, are with Jesus, and they see him do these amazing things. And he, one night he puts his disciples in a boat, and they go out across the, the water, and, and a storm comes, or he's kind of walking out on the water. They look up, and, they, and they're, they're completely freaked out, completely panicked. Because they, what they see, or what they think they see, is a ghost hovering over the face of the waters. And we kind of laugh at the story, but the truth is we would all freak out, right? Because that's not what human beings are supposed to do. Human beings don't walk on water or float on water. They're freaked out, and rightfully so. And Jesus gets closer, and, and he speaks these words to him that are some of my favorite words in all of Scripture. I, I, he, he sees their fear, and he sees their panic, and he yells out to them, Take courage. Take courage. Don't be afraid. It's me. Guys, it's, it's me. It's Jesus, and I'm with you. I'm with you in the midst of this. Take courage. Don't be scared. I'm with you. And Peter looks out over the water, and he says, Jesus, if it's really you, then call me out so I can be out there with you. And Jesus like, come on in. Water's great. You're going to love it. And Peter takes a step out of the boat and begins to walk on water. I mean, it's just amazing to me. This, this faith that believes that if God is with me, there is like almost nothing that I can't do. I can do almost anything if he's with me. The boldness and the confidence, Peter steps out of the boat on water and he begins to walk for a few steps. Then he begins to sink because he takes his eyes off Jesus. And, and we all ridicule him. Like, oh, Peter, you lack so much faith, dude. I'm like, way to go. I don't know that I would have had the faith to get out of a boat and walk. Like, has anybody else walked on water ever? The only guy besides Jesus was Peter. And we ridicule him. Like, oh, you shouldn't have been scared. No, like he actually walked on. Everybody else was stuck in the boat. And he's getting like, he's walking on waves. Because he had this unbelievable confidence that if Jesus was with him, there is nothing he can't do. He took courage. 
And he believed, God, if you're with me, God, I can, I can do almost anything. But you see, for us, we get kind of bogged down in the valley. Right? Coolio used the, the old version. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death. It's not even death itself. It's the shadow of death. It's interesting to me how, how scary shadows can be. Right? Shadows are, are kind of misleading because they can be larger th th than what's actually there, sometimes even smaller than what's actually there. They're, they're misguiding. They're, it, it's tough to like wrap our head around a shadow. But David's saying it's almost like we walk through these valleys in our life where, where there's confusing and, and, and there's, there's, there's chaos and, and we're not really sure what to do, but then we see a shadow. It's like, oh God, a shadow! And David's like, no, no, no. You're going to walk right through it, and you're going to fear nothing because God is with you. You see, in those moments, here's the problem. This is what David is saying. You have to stop looking at the shadow, and you have to lock your eyes on the shepherd. It's so easy to take our focus and to just look at all the problems. That's what we do in these moments. We look at all the problems and all the, all the things that could go wrong. We're great at doing that, aren't we? I just walk through it myself. I know what it's like. I'm awesome at it. I can tell you every possible bad scenario. David said, no, take your eyes off the shadow. Take your eyes of all the what ifs and what could be and focus on what is and what will never change and what will never leave you. Your good shepherd. Because when your eyes are on him, you will fear no evil. You will lack nothing. He will lead you to the green pastures, to the still waters, and he'll restore your soul. With his rod and his staff, they comfort me. We've seen the pictures before, right? We know what the shepherd's staff looks like. It's a long stick with kind of that crooked end, and he uses that to kind of guide his sheep. At least that's what we assume. The sheep are, they kind of walk off the path. I don't know if you knew this. Sheep are kind of dumb. Did you know that? Like, David really wasn't paying us a compliment to this when he said God's the shepherd and we're the sheep because sheep are known for being kind of foolish, dumb animals. But that's kind of what we do. Sometimes we make bad decisions. We're prone to making bad decisions. We're prone to being impulsive and kind of walking down a path that we don't know where it's going to lead, but hey, it looks good. In moments like that, the shepherd has a staff to, to, to guide his sheep back into the fold, back into the flock. The, the, the staff is kind of a symbol of God's grace to bring us back in. But what's the rod? The rod is like this, this stick that a shepherd uses to beat things. But never the sheep. And sometimes we get that wrong. Sometimes we think that's what God's like, this angry shepherd with a, steep, a, a rod kind of beating us for getting out of line. Never on the sheep. The staff is for the sheep to guide us back into the fold so that he can lead us and guide us to the places that we ultimately want to be and need to be. The rod, the rod is used to beat off anything that would hurt the sheep or steal, kill, and destroy the sheep. And with the staff, it's God's grace. And with the rod, it's God's power. It's kind of like God flexing. Like, watch what I can do. So with his rod and his staff, he comforts us and he protects us. And then David writes this line that, to be honest, if I were writing it, I think I'd write it a little differently, but he says it this way. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Like, why would God prepare a table? Why would he prepare a feast in the presence of the enemies to show off? Like, the enemy is going to come at you. We know that. Jesus said, I, I've come to give you life and to give it more, abund more abundantly, or life to the fullest. But the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So anything that's in your life that's there to steal, kill, and destroy, perhaps it's shame. 
Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's, it's, it's depression. Anything that takes from you is the enemy. Anything that steals from you, anything that harms you is from the enemy. And God said, Here, here's what I'm going to do. With, with my rod, I'm going to protect you. But then I'm going to set up a table right in the presence of your enemy so they can see us. And I can look all of them in the eye and say, not this one. This one's mine. No longer will shame or depression or, or loneliness or, or bitterness or strife rule in you. She's mine. I paid for her. And I paid the highest price. She's mine. And in the presence of our enemies, God flexes again. He says, they're mine. You anoint my head with oil. And my cup overflows. Apparently sheep are, are so stupid, they run into bushes. And thorns and, and bushes and branches cut their heads and hurt them. And the shepherd would pour oil on their heads to relieve the pain. To cause the sheep to, to, to settle for a minute. To comfort them. David says, in moments where you feel like you've hurt, in moments where you feel like you're broken, God is your comfort. The good shepherd comes and he comforts you and he fills your cup till it overflows again. And he brings you back into the flock and he leads you and he guides you and he takes you to green pastures and still waters. And then he gives us this incredible benediction. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days my life. One author describes this idea of goodness and love as these, these virtues are kind of like sheepdogs. You know what sheepdogs are? We had a sheepdog growing up. His name was Gideon. He was this big dog that we used to ride like a horse. They're these big fluffy dogs that are like gentle giants. They, they don't harm. They don't hurt. They just want to play, but they run outside the flock and they keep the flock secure. They keep the flock safe. They keep the flock from getting out and they keep anything bad from kind of getting in. And he said, this is the same idea with these virtues. Goodness and love are like these sheepdogs that, that follow after you all the days of your life. They have a loud bark and a strong bite, and they're never going away. And he said, surely they're going to follow you. Not, not possibly, not maybe. He said, no, no, if, if the Lord is your shepherd, and you lack nothing, and you're following him, then surely goodness will follow you. If you're not following the Lord, let me invite you to follow the Lord. Not just because of what he's done for you, which is absolutely amazing, but because all of these other things happen for you as well. Because he's your shepherd. Goodness and love and mercy will follow you most assuredly all the days of your life. That's what happens when you follow the shepherd. Goodness follows you. Mercy and love follow you. said, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I, I will commune with God forever. I will be in relationship with God forever. I'll be adopted in as his son. I'll be taken into his flock as another sheep. And I will be with God forever. As best as I can tell, this is where God's taking us to places that, that feel uncertain, to places where you have to move on faith, where, where you, you can't see the outcome from this side, but you know it's where God's leading. And, and what I've learned and what my wife has learned, what we're trying to teach our kids and what I, I'm hoping you're getting from this is there, is there is a confidence in trusting God. You may not know the outcome. You may not know where the road takes, but you can trust the good shepherd 
because he leads you and he guides you. And he takes you to a place where you lack nothing. That's my prayer for you. That in, in this moment, perhaps, if there's nothing else going on in your life except what I kind of dropped on you this morning, that you would learn to trust and to believe that God is for you and he is a good shepherd who is leading and guiding not just me, but you and this church and this flock. And he will take you to a place of green pastures and still waters and he'll restore your soul. That's what I want for you. I know in moments like this we want clarity, but sometimes we don't get it. I heard a story th this week, that I, or a few weeks ago that I thought was absolutely amazing. A young man had an opportunity to go and serve overseas on the mission field with Mother Teresa. And if you don't know Mother Teresa, you should know Mother Teresa. Amazing woman who gave her entire life serving the poor and the hungry and the destitute. And while he was on his mission trip serving with Mother Teresa, which, I mean, let alone is a miracle, like, amazing. Mother Teresa stops him one afternoon and says, young man, how can I pray for you? I mean, can you imagine Mother Teresa asking, like, what do you want this is the, the saint, Mother Teresa, like, hit it hard, right? She's going to pray. God's going to hear. They're like in unison, right? They're together. He says, actually, man, there's a lot of, of heavy decisions, serious decisions that I have to make in the next few weeks, and I'd love for God to offer me clarity. And she stopped for a moment, and she said, you know, I've never known God to give clarity, but I've always known God to give you a situation where you have to trust him more. How about I just pray for that? I know clarity is what we all want. But I believe in this moment, what God wants is our trust. Will you trust me? Because I'll take you to a place where you've always wanted to be. I'll lead you to the green pastures and the still waters, and I'll restore your soul. Will you trust me? Journey, that's my prayer for you. That you would learn to trust him so confidently as your good shepherd. In a moment, Brian's going to come up and close. Later this week, you'll hear from the elders about the, the process they're taking uh, on, on starting this and how we're going to transition. But before we get there, I would just love to pray with you. And maybe you're here, and in this moment, you feel like, like, like I would love to have a shepherd like that. I would love to feel cared for. I would love to feel protected. But I'm going to invite you to make the Lord your shepherd. Maybe you're here and it's been a while since you've been in church and you've kind of walked away from all that. But, but there's just something pulling at your heart this morning. For a moment, let me encourage you, let me invite you to take your eyes off of the shadow, off of your battle, off of whatever it is that you feel like is lurking for you and to focus on the shepherd. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, for another opportunity to share, God, not just what you're doing in my life, Lord, but what you've, you're doing through your word God, in so many. God, I pray for, for the, the, the wisdom, God, for us to see that you are with us, God, all the time, that you are the good shepherd who's consistently trying to lead and to guide and to protect us. God, and I pray for the courage. Lord, for all of us here who maybe have stepped out of that and feel like, no, not me. No, I don't think that's for me. God, that this morning as they feel that pull on their heart, that they would take a step and they would invite you to be their shepherd once again. God, that they would learn to follow you. The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing.
And he leads me beside the green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to the still waters. He restores our soul. God, would you restore us? Would you fill us up? God, would you give us another opportunity to trust you? And then, Lord, in that moment, would you do what only the good shepherd could do? Would you show up? Would you make sure, Lord, we lack nothing? In Jesus' precious name I pray.